Thanks so much for coming. Uh, my name is Brendan. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm part of the pastoral team at Sovereign Grace Church, and we're running tonight. We meet here usually on a, on a Sunday. And uh, thanks so much for coming out. Uh, and particularly, I just want to thank uh, anyone who's here tonight who, for them, this is a personal issue. This is a, a, something that's really personal. Uh, maybe, you know, same-sex attraction or, uh, you know, being homosexual um, is something that is personal to you. And I just want to say, if that's you, my deepest respect to you for coming. Um, I really hope that we can in some way serve you in terms of talking about what the, the Bible says about this and, and maybe engage with uh, some of your questions. Uh, you know, we don't run these nights uh, like with all the answers um, as though like we're like some experts. Well, at least I'm not. I mean, we have Patrick on the panel. So uh, for those of you who know, he's our expert. Not really, but you know, he's, I'm going to be like palming all the difficult questions that you have tonight straight to him. So, um, I guess uh, we want to be fellow travellers with you in loving Jesus. That's our primary passion. You know, what we want for tonight is uh, primarily um, not that you know what Jesus says about your sexuality, uh, because that's not his main message to you. His main message to you is about knowing him. And uh, that's what really we're passionate about tonight. And so I guess, you know, as someone who's not an expert, um, which is a bit nerve-wracking, giving a talk on something that's such a hot topic, um, we want to try and know Jesus through his word. And, and so that's what the angle we're going to be taking tonight. That's where we're going to be sharing from tonight. Um, so I just ask, you know, patience with, with me. Uh, bear with me. Um, I'm just having a, a go at it and... Um, and uh, but one thing I guess uh, we would say tonight is, even though this is such a, a passionate, hot topic, you know, if if this really is God's word and there is a higher being who made the world and everything in it, like if that's true, um, which I guess is the premise, the main one, of the main message of Jesus is that he claimed to be God, um, then I think we need to listen. And if it is true, I guess also we shouldn't expect to agree with that higher being necessarily 100% of the time, because if that higher being and our cultural sensibilities always were the same, we begin to think, well, maybe it was just made up. Maybe it's something we created. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that you might be bearing with me and that we might just be careful to listen to what, what the Bible says on this topic. Um, we have uh, just a passage that I'm going to be speaking from tonight. Uh, mainly I'm going to share a few different passages, but I'm going to be coming back to this one as the main message. So I'm going to read it. Um, and then I'm going to pray because I believe I need a lot of help. So um, it comes from Matthew chapter 16. If you have a Bible and bear with you, you can open up to that. Otherwise, it's up on the screen. Um, from verse 24. And this is the words of Jesus. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Jesus says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Let me pray. Lord, um, just as we come to your word, I guess we want to hear it. And I'm just mindful tonight that I really need your help. And so I just pray... Help me 
In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, well, when it comes to sexuality and same-sex marriage and and the fight for marriage equality, this is probably not a hot, hotter topic in the media, in Australia at least. Um, and it seems on one hand like so obvious. Like if two people love each other, what's wrong with that? You know, like who am I to tell someone else that they're wrong? I mean, why shouldn't they get married? I mean, shouldn't as the phrase goes, love win. And in the news, and particularly in the, new, in the US, you see banners with things like God hates fags and, and uh, passages of the Bible that we seem to have heard about that denounce homosexuality. And it just seems angry. It just seems intolerant. It just seems wrong. And I guess at this point, uh, if you are here and you're someone who, for whom this is like a real personal issue... I just, I just, I just want to apologise because, I mean, I think as a whole as Christians, um, we've done a really poor job of of loving the gay community. And um, you know, I can just think in my own example, just just sometimes in in humour I've used in the past, and you know, many years ago, uh, talking about things that are, you know, I dislike, saying, oh, well, isn't that gay? Uh, making light of someone's sexual preference or something that's very personal for someone. Um, so I do think as a community, and definitely for myself, I think we do a really poor job on this. But I guess the question we want to deal with tonight is what does God teach about sexuality and is God anti-gay? I'm hoping not to talk for too long. And I'm really my aim is in, in this part of the night where I'm going to uh, speak on this for about 20 minutes hopefully, um, is just to briefly show you what Jesus teaches about sexuality and, and why it's good. That's my, that's my main hope, to, to, to teach you, or to, not to teach you, to show you what Jesus teaches about sexuality and to see why it's good. We want to devote most of our time to Q&A and, um, and, and just answering your questions. Um, there is a number up on the screen for an anonymous uh, text message. So if you have a question, if it comes to you, just encourage you, just text that straight in. We're going to have a, have a go. Um, we may not get to everyone's questions, but we're, we're going to um, do the best that we can. What I want to do is lay down a little framework for us at the start to try and inform our discussion, um, and that is what Jesus teaches about uh, sexuality. And so I've got three points that I want to deal with um, tonight, um, and they are the man, the mirror, and the message. First, uh, uh, first of all, the man. And I think we really have to start here at this point uh, because this is what Jesus, uh, well, this is what Christianity is all about. It's about following Jesus. It's about a man. And you see, Jesus was all about radical love. You know, if you would have um, lived during Jesus' time, you would have been completely amazed by this man. Uh, this man, Jesus, he had disciples, he had 12 disciples, and they were all poor a young, uneducated uh, fisherman. And he spent most of his time, in fact, uh, with outcasts of society, people that weren't popular in society, people that were estranged um, and hated. In fact, he earned the reputation Jesus' friend of sinners uh, because he was friends with and his uh, people that he spent time with were people like prostitutes, uh, fraudsters, drunkards and leopards. Um, so much so that people even accuse him of being a, gl- a glutton and a drunkard because he spent all his time with these people um, attending their social gatherings and other things. He taught radical love. He taught love for people that were on the fringes of society. In fact, he taught an extremely radical love. 
Uh, Jesus, uh, earlier on in, in Matthew's Gospel, which we just read before, says this in Matthew 5.43. He says, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Love people who hate you. I mean, even those who try to persecute you, try to kill you. I mean, that's kind of like crazy, isn't it? And I mean, you almost find yourself asking the question, well, how could Jesus expect anyone to love like that? It means it seems so ludicrous. And the answer is, because this kind of love, this crazy radical love for other people, even people that hate you, was the kind of love that Jesus had come to show. Um, you know, the message of Scripture is that God created the world and everything in it, and he made it good, and, and man had a good relationship with God, an intimate relationship with him. And right at the beginning, the first people, they rejected God and they said, you know, I want to live as I please. I want to be the boss of my own life and I don't want anything to do with you. And all people since then have, have followed their, our forefathers' example in turning their backs on God. And God, as a response to that, he curses the world. He sends his curse upon the world and the world breaks and becomes broken. And there's disease and there's war and there's fighting and there's famine. And this broken world is meant to reflect the relationship uh, between God and people. That by looking at the broken world and everything in it, we might see the broken relationship that we have between us and God. And the Bible teaches that everyone is in the same position from birth. No one is born following God. Everyone's born following their own desires, which are opposed to God. And in the Bible, that, that way of speaking is called being in slavery to sin. Rebellion against God. It's called, um, and, and deserving death, which is the punishment we face. But he doesn't leave us alone to die. He sends his son Jesus to come. And this is what Jesus has been talking about. Even moments before that first passage we wrote, the very verses before um, Jesus is talking about this radical love, um, in Matthew 16, 21 to 23, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and to be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turns to him and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Like, it's a pretty full on passage. But Jesus is being really clear. He has come with a mission in mind, a purpose in mind, and that is that he's going to lay down his life. He's come, for what reason? Um, laying down his life, for what reason? As a ransom. That's the price to release a slave, is what Jesus says. He's come to give his life as a ransom for many. He's come to pay the price to release slaves. And the message of the Bible is that's us. We're enslaved. We're in slavery to sin and we're in slavery to death following our own desires and deserving to die from punishment from God. And so Jesus comes, God himself, the Son. God the Son comes and lives this life of radical love, encouraging people to follow his example. And then he comes and he dies on the cross. And as he hangs on that cross, all our sins, all our wrongdoing is placed upon him um, for one reason, and that is that through the, the penalty he took for us, we might be reconciled to God again. We might return to having that relationship we had once with him. 
So in summary, Jesus is the most incredible person to ever live. His life story is the story of God himself come to die that we might know him, the kind of love that God calls us to live, um, calls, us, calls us to. Well, that's the first point, the man. Um, the second point is the mirror. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, okay, great, Brendan, like, I'm enjoying the story about Jesus, but what on earth has it got to do with sexuality? Like, like how is that connected at all? And I want to put to you, like, it has everything to do with it. Um, but we're going to get there, so you need to be patient with me. Um, first, um, Jesus teaches that to understand sexuality and, and this point in the mirror, we first need to understand that Jesus teaches us that sexuality is for marriage. Uh, there's a passage coming up, uh, Matthew 19, uh, 4 to 6. Um, this is Jesus speaking again. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. And Jesus here is teaching about marriage, actually. And uh, he quotes this passage from Genesis 2, where it talks about God creating two uh, different but equal genders. The man uh, who couldn't find a partner that was suitable for him, God makes the woman and created his perfect complement, someone who is different from him but equal in the sight of God to him. And it's interesting what Jesus uh, says here. He says, therefore... Therefore, for this reason, says Jesus, that is, because Jesus created male and female, um, therefore a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to a wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The two shall be, in the Bible's language here, married. Therefore, as, as a result of what? Therefore, because of gender, he created the male and female. So, according to Jesus, gender, ma- mar- uh, gender matters. And in fact, gender is integral to marriage. Marriage is also, according to Jesus, the only place for sexual expression. Jesus teaches marriage or celibacy. And just in the passage before, his disciples are flipping out. They can't believe it. They're like, this is imp- like, who can live this way? And, um, and, and they can't believe what Jesus is teaching. It seems so, so, so strong that the only place for sexual expression could be marriage. So that's the first point, that Jesus teaches that sexuality is for marriage. Secondly, the Bible teaches us that marriage is meant to be a mirror shining a light on the story of Jesus. Um, A passage I'm going to put up on the screen um, puts it this way. This is Paul uh, writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands as the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself his saviour. Its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendour, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, it's a long passage, and it's got some you know, uh, complicated words in there, but the basic picture of this passage that Paul's talking about is that marriage is meant to be like a, like a, a sermon illustration. It's meant to be like this living picture of something else, and that something else is Jesus' story. Through marriage, through the way in which a, a man laid out, lays down his life for his wife, like <clears throat> lays down his life, like offers his own life for his wife, like does everything possibly to serve and care for and tenderly love his wife. We're meant to see something of Jesus' own example, how Jesus came and he laid down his life for his church, that is, all the people that trust and follow him. Similarly, in a wife and the way in which she um, loves and, and follows her husband, um, we're meant to see the example of the church in the way that it loves and follows Christ, in the way in which it seeks to honour him in everything. Um, we're meant to see this picture of Jesus and the people he loves uh, most in marriage. Marriage is designed, according to God, for that purpose, to point to that. It's meant to be a mirror shining light on the life of Jesus. Um, so that's my second point, the mirror. And finally, thirdly, third point is the message. Um, Jesus doesn't just come and show us radical love by laying down his life. And he doesn't just reveal that marriage is meant to mirror his life, but he shows us how to receive his gift of life. And that's where we come to the, the first passage that um, I, I shared with us this morning from Matthew 16, 24 to 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You know, Jesus, in this passage, talking to his disciples, he calls everyone, notice in the passage, he calls everyone to deny themselves, to deny their own desires, to forsake their own desires and to follow him. It's not just for some people of a certain ethnicity. It's not for some people of a certain sexual preference. He calls everyone. He calls everyone to follow him. But he also promises in this passage that living for yourself will lead you to death. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. For whoever would save his life, whoever would follow after his own desires, be the master of his own destiny, the result of that will be losing your life. But what he promises is something even greater. Jesus promises that for whoever loses his life, not just for anything, but for my sake, will find it. And Jesus promises us that if you, um, if you deny yourself and you, in his words, pick up your cross and follow him, live like you're on your way to die, follow his example of, of laying down his life, um, for us you will find life you will find life in following him and again I just wanted to you know, if, if, if you're someone here who is, is homosexual um, I just want to say again like I can't say enough deepest respect for coming tonight and I would just like I, we would love to meet you and just get to know you and um, but what I really would want you to know tonight is that the greatest joy you could ever have in, in life is, is knowing your maker. 
That is the, the sweetest joy. You know, following Jesus for you might mean a life of celibacy um, or singleness. But according to the message of the Bible, it will not, it will never mean being alone. You know, for two reasons. One, the Bible teaches that when we trust in Christ, we're adopted into a family, God's very own family. We become his children. We become surrounded with brothers and sisters um, throughout, in fact, Christians throughout all the ages. But more than that, we become joined once more to God through Jesus. We become, as followers of Jesus, joined to Christ. And he comes to live in you by the power of his spirit. And we enjoy this sweet relationship with him. You know, for me, uh, before I knew Jesus, I was an anxious, um, proud, uh, really, to be honest, self-obsessed guy. I was so consumed with myself and Jesus has changed my life. And it doesn't mean that that I'm without error. I mean, my wife's here, you can just talk to her. You know, I've got lots of <laughs> challenges. And in fact, this last week has been very challenging. But, but um, one thing I do have is the knowledge that Jesus Christ is with me and, and a a deep abiding joy that, that defies, in fact, sometimes circumstances. And so my heart is that you'd know Jesus and you'd know that love he has for people. The right response, according to Jesus, um, is to lay aside our own wants and desires for the sake of something greater, and that is knowing our maker. Well, that's all I wanted to say tonight. Um, we're going to pause now to have a break probably for about... Uh, 10 minutes or so where uh, you've got a chance to text in questions or anything you might have. And then we're going to come back here and that should leave us with a good hour just to try and uh, talk about your questions, guys. So um, hopefully uh, back here again soon. Okay, thanks.